Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is August the 4th, 2022, a Thursday. We're creeping towards the weekend. And we can't get to the weekend without analyzing the state of American democracy. Judging from some of the headlines today, it's not too bad. Uh, according to the New York Times, four officers fa face federal charges in the Breonna Taylor raid. So there's some accountability in terms of some of these, some of the uh, some of the injustice going on. But in other ways, things aren't particularly healthy in the elections this week, according to the Hill. Um, Election deniers racked up wins, fueling concerns in both parties. I wonder whether those concerns are equal in both parties. Uh, the truth is that multiple GOP candidates, according to CS, CBC, CBS News, um, won primaries this week, believing that the 2020 election was stolen and presumably most of the people voting for them agreed with them. Um, some people are very critical of the GOP, of the Republican Party. One columnist in the Washington Post, a liberal newspaper, suggesting that the GOP is sick. Um, and others are also agreeing. Greg, Greg Sargent also in the Post, suggesting that the Trumpists are winning the Republican Party. Uh, we had a show a few months ago with my old friends Jonathan Rausch and Pete Weiner, both centrists who suggest that things are much unhealthier on the right within the Republican Party as on the left. Pete and, uh, Pete and John have been on the show recently suggesting this. And uh, there are a number of organizations bent on trying to cure American democracy or at least establish a new middle ground. One of the more interesting um, is one called uh, No Labels, um, they claim, at least according to their website, that citizens of, from across the nation are coming together to call for unity. And they're in the business of bringing people together. I'm thrilled that we have a couple of people from uh, No Labels on the show today. In particular, its founder, um, Nancy Jacobson, who is based in Washington, D.C. Nancy, welcome. Congratulations on being the founder and CEO of No Labels. Um, I'm sure you get this question all the time, Nancy, but it's the one that Pete and John also addressed. When it comes to analyzing the state of American democracy, its general health, which I talked about in the introduction, do you think things are worse on the right than they are on the left? That's interesting. Uh, I do think it's, I think it's both sides, right? Um, you know, I think that when you think of the right, you think of the, you know, Trump, who really controls the Demo the uh, Republican primary voters? You know he is uh, he bullies uh, members of his party to. You know we saw it recently uh, in this past Congress the infrastructure vote or, you know uh, you know if you voted to impeach you know he looks to take out. I mean we've never seen a former sitting president act in that manner. Typically, people go off uh, to greener pastures and focus on libraries, but we're not seeing that. But, you know, I have to say, I think the left of the Democratic Party, I, I do believe the left AOC, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren controls the Democratic Party. 
I don't think there's any center left there either. And they play for keeps just as well. Nancy, you claim on your website that you're hearing their voices. I'm not sure who their voices are. I assume they're Americans. Talk a little bit about founding um, No Labels. I know it, it was founded around t- 10 years ago. Why you founded it and what you're trying to do at No Labels? I mean, the, the organization was founded 2010 uh, in December. Uh, it was really in response to, uh, you know, we were seeing the rise of the Tea Party. We were seeing, uh, you know, uh, Obamacare passed by really one party. We'd never in the lifetime of the country had a big social program passed with just one party. All of our uh, big ideas, big social programs were two party solutions. And, you know, it, it started to really devolve. Uh, And so the concept was, could we start to attract citizens that uh, wanted to uh, connect their voices? And also, could we build a force inside the Congress? Could we uh, build allies inside that would look for two-party solutions? Because that's the only way you get sustainable governing. So we created this. We then inspired and actually... Uh, created something called the Problem Solvers Caucus inside the House. And since then, we've been doing more and more work to forge these new bonds to focus on two-party solutions. We also have your chief strategist uh, 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 on this uh, conversation. I want to bring him in in a second. But I'm curious as to the, the, the title of your organization, No Labels. And when I think of No Labels, I think of a, a clothes store. What, what exactly did you mean? Do you suggest that um, we shouldn't have labels when it comes to politics or we can exclude them in terms of actually talking to one another? No, the, the point is, put labels aside to solve problems. That was always the intention of No Labels, that uh, you know, to solve problems, you, you've got to come at it and uh, try to find the best ideas and, and put your, you know, party label at the door. Let's bring in your colleague, um, Ryan. Uh, Ryan is the, uh, Ryan Clancy is the tre- chief strategist at, at No Labels. Ryan, when did you join the organization and, and what's driving you? Why are you part of this network? Almost since the beginning, uh, within a couple of years after Nancy started it, I, I joined. And look, I, I came to this the same reason a lot of other people came to it. I, I came up through the traditional um, one side. I, I came up through the, through the Democratic Party um, and still am a Democrat today. But I think I recognize, and a lot of others have, that the, the core dysfunction in our politics is the inability or unwillingness of our parties to come together and solve big problems. And unless and until we solve that, things are just not going to get better. So I I know you're talking to me from Brooklyn, but the organization is based in Washington, D.C. This is focused then on the the sausage making of politics, is it, of government? Uh, A lot of what we do is just trying to bring people together. Uh, When we started this, we we were just shocked at the total absence of relationships on Capitol Hill. I mean, I, I am not exaggerating when I tell you that these people didn't know each other. They didn't talk to each other. They, they would tell us, look, the first week they come in for new member orientations, you know, it's like a middle school dance, like, a, you know, green, red shirts on one side, blue shirts on the other. They even had Republican buses and Democratic buses to go to, to separate events. So everything in Washington, uh, all the interest groups are 
pushing them apart. We're one of the few that are actually trying to bring them together. We've done a number of shows on the dysfunctionality of American politics on, on gerrymandering. We did a show about how these divisions now are compounded, not just at the federal level, but at the local level. Why, why have, has this dichotomy emerged, Ryan, between the left and right in America? What is the core reason? Was it always the case? Uh, no. I mean, as Nancy mentioned at, at the top of the show, uh, most of the big changes in the country, you talk about the Civil Rights Act, uh, creation of Social Security, balancing budget in, in, the, in the 90s, it was both parties at the table. There's a lot of reasons it's got this dysfunctional. You can blame traditional media. You, you can blame social media. Um, but I will say that, that a lot of the changes people reach for, and gerrymandering is a great example, there's, there's less than meets the eye there. Uh, in terms of, of what it would do. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at why we're so divided, a lot of it isn't the district lines. Uh, you know, it's it's self-sorting. If Democrats want to live with Democrats, it's Republicans want to live with Republicans. Like, look, I, I'm here in Brooklyn. doesn't matter how you draw the lines. There's always going to be a Democrat coming out of here. Is this replicated, these divisions, though, in outside politics, outside Washington, D.C.? If you put a room together and you you do this sort of thing. You put a room together of Democrats and Republicans uh, outside the Beltway, uh, in, particularly in middle America. Are you seeing the same natural divisions? Are people able to talk to one another? Yeah, I, th I think people are less divided than the media makes them out to be. Uh, so much of uh, traditional media, social media, they just stoke and fuel these divisions. I mean, one of the things No Labels has done over time is just pulled people's attitudes on really tough issues. And it is amazing when you just put it to the public, you get 60, 70% of agreements on, you know, things like an, an immigration policy. 65% of the country will tell you we want secure borders, but we like immigrants and we want to keep America open to Im immigration too. But we can never get that because nobody on the right will sign off on any kind of policy that uh, brings in more immigrants, and nobody on the left will sign off on any kind of border security. So that's how we get stuck on issue after issue. Let's bring Nancy back in. Nancy, do you have some pin-up, no-label politicians? Joe Manchin, for example, and uh, Kristen Sinema are often saw or seen as politicians. They're in the formerly in the, the Democratic Party, but they are very much centrists. Uh, are no-label politicians by definition centrist, or are you uncomfortable with that term? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily centrist. I think, you know, part of a couple of problems, the party leaders are a part of the problem, right? I mean, the party leaders in Washington expect you to walk in lockstep with whatever their wishes are. Right. So people like Cinema and Manchin, you know, uh, they go to the beat of their own drum, their, their own states. Uh, and that doesn't always sit well. I mean, we have two great leaders in the House, the, the two co-chairs of the Problem Solvers Caucus, the group that we created, uh, Josh Gottheimer on the Democratic side and Brian Fitzpatrick. So, uh, you know, Susan Collins has been an independent leader, but people that are willing to not always go in lockstep with their party, and, um, you know, look at the, the problems and find the right solutions. I'd also just say, let's not forget 
the primaries are part of the problem. I mean, if you really say, where did this all, you know, how does this all happen? Most people never vote in a primary. I mean, maybe, you know, 7% of registered voters are voting in these primaries. So what happens is it's the most animated, extreme voters that vote and vote for these uh, usually extreme candidates. So that when you get to the general election and it and most of these districts are uh, predetermined, whether it's Democrat or Republican, there's no real election in the general, you end up getting, you know, extreme uh, forces that get in, get into our Congress. I hear this message a lot from many different people. I don't get the sense though, Nancy, maybe correct me, is if there is a, an organized movement for profound structural reform of the political system, whether it's gerrymandering or the electoral college or the primary system. Do we need a, an organization perhaps like No Labels to lead this? Well, I'm, I'm, I, uh, you know, that's interesting. There, there's lots of ideas. There's not one group that handles all of these ideas. It's unproven. We don't know yet. We're, you know, the jury's still out. You know, do these reforms work? You know, we really believe that it all comes down to leaders. You know, it's finding people like Joe Manchin and, you know, Cinema and Senator Todd Young and Bill Cassidy and others and Susan Collins. You, you really got to invest in good leaders that are willing to be independent. And that's the quickest, fastest way. To, are you to saying then that you're, as I said, your pinup would be a, a Collins, a Cinema, a Manchin? I mean, people that we, yeah, th those are the types of leaders that are independent thinkers. And I think we've, you know, the Senate and the House, you know, we've seen those people in, in the past, but what's happened in the last 20 years is people just fall in line behind the party leader. We don't have independent thinkers. And, uh, you know, people don't even probably read some of these bills. They just do whatever the, the party leader tells them. They vote with the party. And getting more independent leaders would be a great, a great fix. As I was doing some research for this, I found a piece from the Washington Monthly. Uh, I'm not sure how formally connected you are with Manchin, but there was a piece suggesting tax the rich, ditch no labels and woo the working class. This was the message for Joe Manchin. I mean, for the people living in, in West Virginia, the poor working class, unemployed working class, this is a credible argument, isn't it? Ryan, you want, you want to take that one? Okay, let's yeah, throw that one over for you, Ryan. Well, That's a tough one. Well, I, I actually don't think it's that tough. I, it, it's, it's amazing to me the extent to which the media just destroys Joe Manchin. Um, they never bother to actually look at the fact that 60% of West Virginia voters like him. So, you know, there's outlets like the Washington Monthly that presume to speak for the people of West Virginia, seems like Joe Manchin has a pretty good handle on what they want because he's really popular. He is in a state that Donald Trump probably won. I, I don't have the, the numbers at, at my fingertips, but he won by about 40 points. He's the only Democrat that can hold statewide office. So, you know, to be honest, the Democrats should be thanking, be thankful that there is such a person as Joe Manchin because he is literally the only per Democrat in that state that could hold statewide office. It's interesting, uh, Ryan, you say that. I, I found two pieces with very different opinions on, um, on Manchin from very credible magazines. One on the Rolling Stones suggesting that in exchange for a climate deal, Manchin demanded a terrible price. But then the Atlantic actually sympathetic of Manchin suggesting that his, well, I don't know if it's his climate bill, but the 
climate bill he enabled could work. The problem, uh, Ryan, and again, I obviously don't need to tell you this, the problem is not mansion, it's a system, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, energy and climate is a great example uh, of the way in which we've been having a completely binary false debate for about a decade. So you listen to Republicans, it's drill, baby, drill. You listen to people on the left, it's Green New Deal. But the reality is, is that when you actually talk to voters, they care about what a gallon of gas costs. They care about energy security. They, They want energy produced here to keep fuel prices down. But at the same time, they recognize climate change is a real problem and they want us moving a lot faster towards clean energy solutions. And that's, I think, what you see somebody like Manchin actually reckoning with. Um, and, and that's not what happens with a, with a lot of his colleagues, unfortunately. They, they address one side of an issue, one side of a problem, and they completely leave out another critically half that is important to voters. That's an important message, Ryan. Your group, No Labels, also focuses on healthcare. You had a 2013 initiative, Healthcare for Heroes, how can we proceed on healthcare? It's again an enormously divisive and deeply problematic issue that's, in many ways, not just wrecking individuals' lives, but the, the political infrastructure in America. How could an organization like No Labels address the seemingly insoluble problem of American healthcare? One of the things that's interesting is um, we have a, a poll that we uh, are still sort of processing, but uh, it was a big poll looking at a lot of the issues people care about. And interestingly enough, healthcare uh, was was not at the top of the list. It actually usually is in in most elections. But um, I don't think the public has an appetite right now for a huge structural healthcare reform along the lines of what happened with the Affordable Care Act a decade ago. And so I think what you're going to see is if it's going to get addressed, it's going to be more bite-sized. You know, even even the bill that, that Senator Manchin uh, is behind right now, it gets at one part of it, prescription drug prices. I, I don't think there's a lot of appetite for a wholesale restructuring of American health care right now. Well, where is the appetite then for no-label solutions? You're also very much involved in what you call the infrastructure coalition. I mean, infrastructure is a word that no one's against, but of course it costs a lot of money. Is that something that could uh, help a, a new America, one of no labels? So that infrastructure bill is actually the textbook example of what Nancy talked about earlier. So if you go back to early 2021, the leadership in either side had absolutely no interest in a bipartisan infrastructure bill. So on, on the Republican side, Kevin McCarthy's position, the Republican leader was basically, we're gonna be against everything Democrats are for, and we're gonna just call them socialists and communists so we can win in the midterms. And frankly, Schumer and Pelosi, what they wanted was to jam everything into this one mega reconciliation bill, multi-trillion dollars. But it was our people who said, no, you know what? We're gonna break off the piece that we know there's a chance to get a bipartisan deal on. And they're the ones that developed the framework the bill for the bill. They're the ones who worked it all across uh, through the summer. And in the end, the bill actually passed only because 13 Republicans crossed over to vote for it. So uh, if they didn't do that, and most of them were our allies, it wouldn't have passed. So that really is the model for how it should work. It was a big problem. Everybody's been talking for years about how much we need to fix our infrastructure. Ultimately, as with most things, it took a big bipartisan coalition to get it done. 
But let's bring Nancy back in. I mean, infrastructure is one thing, and you can hammer out compromises there. But we began the show, Nancy, talking about uh, voting and the 2020 election. You also have an initiative called Respect the Vote. At some point, you're going to need to break some eggs, even in an organization like No Labels, aren't you? I mean, at certain points, some people have to be if not excluded, certainly taken on for denying the credibility of an election, which clearly was legal. No, I mean, listen, we're, you know, we're looking ahead. We're, uh, you know, we're considering options. Uh, you know, we're worried about 2024. We're worried that there could come a moment that there's two unacceptable uh, nominees from each party. Uh, this could be a black swan moment, something we've never, ever in the history of the country. Sorry to jump in, Nancy. Would that be Biden against Trump, do you think? Is that a black swan moment in your that, mind? That, that could be. I mean, it could be. Uh, and we're worried about that. I mean, we're very, we're very concerned that the public would have two unacceptable choices. Uh, people that are not unifiers. I mean, what we really, we believe in the core of what we do from the day that we started is it is essential to have two party solutions, both parties working together if you want sustainable change, because otherwise it ping pongs back from issue to issue. You undo, uh, you spend years trying to do undo Obamacare or tax cuts or whatever it may be. So for the uh, sustainability of this country so that people can predict where we're going to be, you need two party solutions. So we are worried and that is something we're thinking about. And um, I would imagine in the in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk more about that. But, you know, we've been dealing with a lot of citizens. This is a movement uh, growing by the day. And uh, give I, me some numbers, Nancy, when you say growing by the day, how, how do you how do you quantify metrics? How many people are involved, involved in your group? Well, I mean, the people that we're communicating with is, you know, close to a million people on a, you know, on a weekly basis. You know, we grow, uh, you know, each day, more and more people are finding us and signing up. We're going to uh, do more effort to have to build more awareness. And, you know, as you saw on our website, you know, there's a growing group of state leaders, uh, people that we're having these serious conversations with, you know, representing uh, should be soon all 50 states. And, you know, we're, we're promoting these conversations with leaders and people across the country. We encourage people to come to our website and sign up. Uh, and we're trying to figure out, should we be in a black swan moment, uh, you know, this next election and, and choices are unacceptable with people that cannot unify? Are there other things we can do? And is there an appetite, uh, you know, for everything from potentially uh, getting ballot access in all 50 states so that we can run an alternative uh, if that happens. Nancy, you were introduced to me by our, our common uh, friend, um, Gary Shapiro. Um, Gary came on the show a couple of months ago talking about this third party candidate. I think you and he are on the same page. You said you were worried about this black swan moment of a Trump versus Biden. But in a sense, for a group like um, no labels, it might actually represent an opportunity. The two parties are both archaic, they're both paralyzed, they're both dominated by radicals, they're both hostages to a rotten system. Wouldn't a third, wouldn't this provide this black swan moment potentially in 2024? Wouldn't it finally provide the moment 
a real crisis where a third party candidate would be credible and could indeed win the election? Absolutely. I mean, it, there, if there's ever to be a moment, if if that scenario proves true, two unacceptable candidates, yes, that that is the moment. Uh, you know, we're not about a party ticket, um, building a, uh, you know, having a ticket to, to handle that. There was a recent last couple of weeks Harvard-Harris poll that showed the highest number in the history of the country uh, that if it was Biden-Trump, you know, I think 65% of our voters would, would look for an independent moderate. And who a- could that? Um, you know, I'm looking at your board, uh, Nancy, a lot of heavy hitters, people that you're networked with in, um, in Washington, D.C. Some people might look at this and say it's just more wealthy people. Uh, who could a third party candidate be? I mean, it's not going to be Michael Bloomberg, for example. Um, does it need to be a different kind of candidate from a different kind of America? Listen, I think, you know, what we would want to do is just build a ballot and get it ready for somebody to come and and be able to use it. Uh, You know, so I think we got to stay open. This is a unique time, a unique American moment, and uh, we we just got to stay open. Uh, I I would imagine in this country of 300 million people, uh, we'll be able to find that hopefully somebody will will assume and want to use this ticket. Let, let, let's bring Ryan back in. And Nancy talks about using a ticket. So you have access to a million people or maybe several million people. Are you in talks with perhaps potential third party candidates who might throw their hat into the ring? No, it's I mean, it's too early to be talking about candidates. I mean, what we're really focused in, uh, is, uh, is laying the groundwork um, and trying to create a voice for people that feel like they're completely shut out of the process. We often hear this phrase uh, when we talk to people and they say they feel politically homeless. And I really think that's the, the moment we're in. That, that's why you see these polls where the, the fastest growing political party in America is no political party. That's why you see like what Nancy said, you know, 60% of the country saying, I don't want Trump or, or a Biden rematch. So there, there is something really stirring here. And um, I, I don't think people should dismiss the fact that um, because something hasn't happened before doesn't mean it can't happen. Uh, it happens a few all years ago, Ryan, actually, Gary Shapiro introduced me to Emmanuel Macron. He came on the show. Macron's the an example of someone without a political party who won power. Of course, the French system is different. How likely is it? I mean, what needs to happen? Does some prominent personality need to come from the world of entertainment, from sports, from social media? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really think three things. So one is the conditions have to be in place, meaning is the public cranky? Are they dissatisfied with the offerings that they have? Are they fearful for the future? Obviously, the answer to all those things is, is yes. When you start to look at candidates or, or you know, parties, yes, you need a charismatic candidate either from inside or outside politics, but you, you also need an animating set of issues to run on. I mean, when you think about Trump, everybody knows what he's for. You know, he's for building the wall and make America great again. You think about the far left, it's, it's Green New Deal, Medicare for all. So to succeed, uh, any candidate trying to compete would have to um, have some similarly kind of animating issues that are, are fueling them. Right. And, and, and that's a really important point, Ryan. 
how do you animate from the center? We talked about Manchin. You may be right. Maybe he's good for American democracy, but he's not very exciting. He He's a man who, who who's moderate, who, who combines different messages of the different sides. How do you how do you manufacture an exciting platform, a voice, a position from the center? Well, I think part of it has to do with defining what you mean by the center. Because, I mean, as Nancy kind of mentioned earlier, I mean, No Labels doesn't think of itself as just a place for centrist candidates. Center is really a place. And sometimes people are in the center, but sometimes people come from, from the right and left. I mean, I'll give you one factoid that's interesting from a, a model we saw. It's about 19 million people, voters in this country, who don't like Donald Trump, don't want him as a candidate, but like his policies. You see similar dynamics on the left. And so, you know, I think any kind of coalition uh, that would have a chance to, to kind of break through this dysfunction in our politics, it, it can't just be mushy moderates and squishy centrists. There's got to be passion there. Um, and it's got to come from all over the political spectrum. From people who realize... Yeah, let's bring Nancy back yeah. in. Nancy, you're a Washington, D.C. insider. You must be hearing a lot of conversations, particularly on the left, about replacing Biden, perhaps with uh, Kamala Harris or, or, or maybe even with Gavin Newsom, who's also been on the show. Would a, a Newsom or a Harris, would they perhaps potentially be a, a, a no-label style candidate? I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think, you know, the problem is the extremes are pushing us together. If this unique black swan moment happens, it's, uh, you know, it would be because it's two extreme uh, candidates, the likes of which we've never seen in this country. I mean, it's always people that are, people could go either way with many. Biden's not, I mean, Biden's just old. I don't think he's, the only, that's the only extreme thing about him, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's getting beholden to the extreme voices in the Democratic Party, right? And I, I just, uh, it seems to me on the Democratic side, on the Republican side, it's getting beholden to Trump and where he wants to uh, go with the party. And on the Democratic side, it's it's not a Bill Clinton uh, Democratic Party anymore. It's, uh, you know, it's really listening to the loudest voices and, and trying to please the loudest Voices. I mean, we remember even during that infrastructure bill uh, that, uh, you know, build back better. There was a requirement to, to pass build back better with the infrastructure bill. Uh, so to, to be able to push off on that, that that was heroic. Um, so. Yeah. Nancy, what do you make of efficient, well-working, technocratic political systems like Singapore? Are you envious of those systems? They may not be particularly democratic, but they create very well-run governments with quote-unquote healthy, wealthy societies. Does America need more technocracy and less democracy? No, we, listen, we like our system in America. We like the uh, democratic way. We just need more voices at the table. We just cannot have the extreme voices that represent a minority of our uh, citizens calling the shots. So we, we love this country. Uh, and we just need more people engaged. And that's why we always, you know, we encourage people to come to our website, sign up with us, join this growing movement. Uh, we, need, we need more voices heard. We certainly do. I don't think anyone would deny that. Um, recently, we had Monica Guzman on the show. She has a new book out. Uh, I never thought of it that way. Another, I'm not sure she's formally no labels, but certainly that way of thinking. She's part of a group called 
better angels. There are a number of these kinds of groups, Nancy, for people watching who kind of agree with what you're saying and isn't sure which one to join, whether it's better angels or no labels, what would you suggest? Listen, I think all of these, I would say just pick one and, and uh, get involved, right? I mean, Why can't no... you join them all up? Why can't we have better angels and no labels and all the others together? Because otherwise it's getting really confusing. It is getting confusing. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, if, if we need to have this ballot and we need to uh, ensure that somebody uses this ballot, I think that'll be the catalyzing moment where people will align together. And it may take something like that to, to have all of these forces to come together and, and focus on one, one objective. I'm excited with your black swan moment, Nancy. I'm on board. I'm not quite sure who you're gonna come up with, but anyone's better than Biden or Trump. Um, Ryan, can you give us some dates of when we're gonna know the reality of this? At what point will no labels begin to quite literally throw its hat into the ring for 2024? Oh, we don't have anything like a timeline. I mean, we're not even at the midterms yet. I mean, what, what we're trying to do is just do the diligence should that moment arrive. And it, and it, and it seems like it's needed. And it will, according to you, um, Ryan? Well, look, you'd be if you were paid attention to American politics for any of the last five, six years, you'd be a fool to su suggest, you know, where we're going to be a year from now. So we don't know that. Um, but what we do know is that is that the trend lines we're seeing now we we don't like, uh, and um, there there has finally has to be a movement that catalyzes people who just don't buy what the far right and the far left is selling because those voices they don't represent where the country is, uh, and, and they have way too much influence in our political system right now, and it's not going to change unless everybody in between them starts to get organized.